But I was going into Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Power converter. Going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. Power converter. Hello and welcome to Toshi Station Radio, where we sell power converters, talk about X-wing, and in a shocking turn of events, we're still out of power converters. Thankfully, we've actually got a lot of X-wing to talk about. We've got the V-wing, we've got the Tri-fighter, we've got the Ryloth and Mustafar Galactic qualifiers, and more. Uh, we'll get into that. I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. And I'm Alex Smiddle. And uh, let's start in on it. But first, uh, what have we been up to since we last talked? It's been a, a week or two. Uh, I know we've all still got our weekly Among Us game, but uh, what else have we been playing? Alex? Uh, not much, actually. Took, pretty much took a two-week break from video games. Um, been watching Shit's Creek, which is an amazing show. Please Indeed. go watch it. Right yeah, now. it's pretty hilarious. Holy shit's creek, is it good? <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> I didn't want to curse on the show. So. Uh-huh. Since when? My mom, might, my mom might listen to this episode. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah. I've also been doing some writing. But otherwise, not much. Like, man, not a lot of gaming. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Doug, what about you? Uh, I got back into Diablo 2. Wait, wait. Uh, so. there, uh, hold on. Uh, Diablo 2? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's more superior to Diablo 3. Okay, uh, I, I've honestly not played Diablo 3. I think I've got, like, four or five copies of Diablo 2 around somewhere. Yeah. Because back in the day, just like StarCraft, if you went to Best Buy, you left with a copy of StarCraft or Diablo 2, whether you had it or not. <laughs> yeah. Because they were, like, uh, but... 50 cent, you know, impulse buy at the register. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been, I've been enjoying that, and then uh, trying to prep for Coruscant, although I'm oh, putting right. as much effort in as I probably should. Someone's got an invite. Yeah, to he's, always got, he's always got like casual open on his computer while watching Shit's Creek. So. Well, that's something I can mindlessly do while watching Shit's yeah. Creek. You're, you're practicing <laughs> technically, like not <laughs> usefully, but technically. Yeah. Uh, good point. Good point. Uh, so, oddly enough, I think I've been playing the most X-wing out of all of us. Uh, I am still in the militant casuals jank tank tournament in top eight. Uh, the, snarky the, comment. Snarky comment here. The. Uh, <laughs> Still, like, how long has it been? Uh, well, let's see. Started? We we uh we started round five seventeen days ago, as of the recording of this, and nine of fourteen games have not been completed. Oh my god, it's that many! I assume yeah, it'd be like one three, or two. Three quarters of the games, two thirds of the games have not been. Submitted. Understandably, some of the players that are in California are in areas that have uh, mandatory power off right that, now. And yeah, that's fair. That, that, that yeah, but that just game. happened. <laughs> yes, but they were putting their games off until now. A lot of people also had been prepping for the various Gold Squadron tournaments, but even still, guys, it's uh, <laughs> it's been 17 days. Get your games in, please. Uh, I have made the top eight for that. I'm just waiting for everybody else to finish their games so I can get into it. Uh, it doesn't count until the round's over, Matt. You can exactly. I, actually, mathematically, uh, like I, I, or I checked. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was also in the Corona Renegades tournament. I was the last of our Midwesterners in there. I had made the top 16, won, made it into the top eight, and lost a really tight game to uh, the six Nantexes with marksmanship. I can tell you, Nantexes are less powerful in hyperspace than ex- as in extended. I mean, there's really no substitute for having six crack shots in your list. But sure. it's it's still it is still strong. I had fun flying against it though. I was running the uh, fifth brother, seventh sister, and three saber squadron interceptors. So it was a everybody was initiative four, eleven ships on the board. 
Uh, I did manage to get away with killing a Nantex in the first round of shooting and taking no damage in return. So that, that's, how you, that, that's how you beat Nantex. That, yeah, get the advantage <laughs> like that. And we had all the obstacles kind of in a range two ring in the center of the board. For the entire game, we did not leave further than range two from the center of the board. Wow. Everything, we went to time and nobody flew out of the asteroids. Wow. Yeah, it with... with Ten ships. It was just this dogfighting, everybody turning in, barrel rolling out of the way, tractoring themselves off a bump. It was epic. Uh, but my opponent did end up getting the better of me. It was probably one of the most fun games I've ever had, you know, with dogfighting, just really feeling like the core of X-Wing. And that seems odd to say about playing Nantex, which so many people are still decrying as an NPE. But oh, I've enjoyed thrown around a lot yeah like i can imagine for for most lists that aren't super agile like the specific list i was flying it can feel like well i have to commit to a direction of shooting and they can just negate it but when you're flying five super agile ships (laughs) say to be fair you're you're pretty tech against nantex you also have all all i4 and higher ships Mm -hmm. and uh you're arguably even more mobile than they are Right, and that that was what I was counting on. You know, all initiative four. I wasn't going to beat them for the bid, but if I have, I think one really good X-wing skill, it's setting up kill boxes. It comes from playing four BZ for so long, and that has worked well for me with that list. Didn't work so well at Mustafar for me, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, in addition, I've also been doing some writing. I'm working on a new RPG setting, so that's been pretty fun. Uh, Mentioned Mustafar, but before Mustafar came Ryloth, uh, the last two of the Galactic Qualifier tournaments that Gold Squadron's been putting on. Two weekends ago, as we record this, was Ryloth, and that was the first tournament to not be won by a Nantex swarm. Uh, Timo Rob, I. Nantexes are fine. Yeah. If they don't win every event, how could they possibly be broken? Uh, uh, Timo Rob, is he also from the Netherlands? I feel bad he's that Italian. I don't know this. He's Italian. He's Italian, okay. Uh, as far as I know. I, I saw believe I see someone's from the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, but Timo, as everybody knows, world-class player, uh, took the victory with a two-ship list, uh, scum list, Boba Fett with Composure, Jamming Beam, Maul, Proton Bombs, Hull Upgrade, and Slave One. Pretty standard fat Boba, but with Composure in there. And then Dengar with Marksmanship, Proton Torpedoes, Auto Blasters, L337, Han Solo Gunner, and Contraband Cybernetics. That is a list that has at least three cards that I believe we all said were garbage. But he's made it work. Uh, other than Marksmanship, what's on there? Auto Blasters, I believe we all uh, oh, said. Yeah. Uh, we did put in the caveat that it's decent on Drum Masters. And then Composure, which uh, since the nerf, we haven't really seen played anywhere. Yeah. But yet again, in this particular uh, you know, list, I which... Mean- it works with this Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. He's got perceptive copilot. That's really the only reason. Like he doesn't have perceptive. He doesn't get more. Well, then why is he bringing? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the reason is so that he can boost aggressively, and if it fails, then he can still get his focus. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Like, so he's been running this. Like, I know he won one of the space jams with it. Uh, I don't know if the upgrades are the exact same or not. But like, he's been running Boba Dengar for at least six months. Like since lockdown started, uh, at least in America. Um, I think this is a player, not the list situation. Like, I think Timo just knows exactly what he's doing with it. 
I I don't like the list <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest. Like um, you could do a lot with you if you one trick uh, suboptimal lists. You yeah. can just be better at it than that people are with lists and that are better than yours. And the list does have like a scary alpha strike uh, quality to it. Like Dengar with Protorps and Han Gunner is going to have a fully modified proton torpedo on the first turn of engage, pretty much no matter what, like, unless you can manage to the you know out of range to range zero block him. Um, Boba Fett is a known amazing element, and like uh, the composure is whatever, but like it's one point, so you already have 116 point Boba Fett. Why not make it 117 and get some insurance? Yeah, um, I'm assuming he didn't have enough points for something like Lone Wolf. Yeah, he was at 200. Um, L3, like, so I, I watched a lot of his games, uh, over this past week, actually, just catching up on Gold Squadron stream games. Um, like, L3 actually played, paid dividends really well with Vanguard. L3 is an underrated crew card. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it's, hey, the only way that Dengar can change is... Yeah, it's not that any individual, I, I, marksmanship is a waste of points. Uh, yes, always. in general, and especially on this list. Uh, so... Bullseyes don't get bigger with ship size. They're always the exact same size. Mm -hmm. But ships in general get less mobile with ship size. And mm -hmm. Dengar is not a mobile enough ship to really take advantage of marksmanship. And it triggered zero times in the like four games he was on stream. Yeah, it kind of um, almost seems like stacking the auto blaster ability. That's what he yeah, wants that's, the, that's what he's going for. The shtick, yeah. Um, but it's not worth the points. Agreed. I, um, again, he was at 200 and like a one point bid with this list doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, like, sure. Um, he can't use that point to upgrade auto blasters to a better cannon either. Yeah. Which is, um, the only thing I would do is I would make the auto blasters like an ion cannon if I had the points. But he doesn't even have punishing one. His yeah. front arc is there for torpedoes and mm -hmm. torpedoes. Yeah. So what he did was he would point his arc to the left, like his primary arc to the left, and then he'd have auto blasters and protorps for the front arc. Um, and hopefully you kill Dengar before Boba. That's the hope. Yeah. Every so the, the reason I don't like the list is because you have to engage perfectly every single game, or you're just gonna lose. Because you have very little tankiness in the eighty-one point, eighty-three points, whatever it is for Dengar. Uh, yeah, that's, and, a, that's a mashed potato right there. Yeah. Um, and he did. He 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 got those perfect range three engages pretty much every time, uh, and he. He did a lot of smart things, like if he got three on a proton torpedo, he wouldn't spend the lock, so that if they shot back at him, he'd protorp them again, stuff like that. Okay, I like that, um, I like that. Yeah, so like he, he played it fantastically, but uh, I would never recommend somebody pick up and play this list. True. All right. And unfortunately, even the really cool L3 card on Dengar, where A, you get, you get a little bit of defense from L3's ability, mm -hmm. and then you get the, the extra green maneuvers on his... That's a green maneuver. <laughs> but the ex the better maneuver is one on the backside of L3. Yeah. Um, you don't get that if you bring Punishing 1. So it's not even something you can exploit on Dengar yeah. in the vast majority of Dengar builds either, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, L3 is an underrated card, though. I really like her on Polyp. Yeah, um, true. L3 is really good on Boba Fett, too. Although, like, yeah. Maul is really good. There are, there are better crew, unfortunately, for Boba. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if L3 was not scum only, I would really like L3 on Janors. Uh, yeah, L three is an underrated card, and she's cheap. Mm -hmm. um, oh yes, but otherwise, okay, I don't. I'm, she's four. four. Points, yeah. I'm uh, not sold on Dengar in general, though. I'm gonna keep saying that. Yeah. I'm not sold on an eighty plus point Dengar. I think <laughs> the like just punishing one R five P eight for like fifty seven points or whatever is fine. All right, well, uh, I, like, that's just a me thing. Like I'm just not a fan of Dengar in two point mm -hmm. Well, you can't argue with results. Oh, yeah. Definitely, uh... not take anything away from Teemo because obviously you have to fly really well to take a 
list that we see as suboptimal and do that well with it. And yeah. he clearly he knows what he's doing. Indeed. Uh, one of the things that was notable about that is that pretty much everybody agrees the six Petronaki Arena aces plus talents to taste is the best list out there. We saw fewer played in Ryloth. Only 11 out of 168 contained four or more of the Petronakis. Six of those made it into the top 32, but none of them made it past the top four. Uh, is I there think... a... Okay, a, a, a... None of them made it past... One of them still made There's it to the game. top four. Like, There's one game Two made it into the top four. Okay, so it was still half of the top four. Yeah. <laughs> and cuts are, again, I'm going to say, I'm going to beat this into the ground. Cuts are crapshoots. Yeah. The only thing that matters is cut rate. Yeah, like, so let's say that you are one of the top 32 best players. Like, just if you could arbitrarily state that you're one of the best top, the one of the top 32 players at the tournament your first like three or four rounds of swiss your chance of hitting another person in that category is really low once you're in the top 32 every single person you play is in that category so yeah. like you have to you're playing against known competition at that point and it's very matchup dependent so like yeah. making it to the cut is the significant metric not winning the tournament indeed and that's still six out of eleven is a really good conversion rate still. Yeah, and that's still and six, six out, out of the top thirty-two. Yeah, that's like, also a really good conversion rate. Yeah, like, not yeah, not 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 saying anything that Nantex aren't good. Mm-hmm. Clearly, having won four out of the first six of these tournaments is a big deal. Yep. But the bigger deal is the fact that they were most of the cuts of each of those tournaments mm-hmm. as well. And on top of that, you had people like Fawn who played in Ryloth but didn't play Spamtex because he'd already won two of them with it. Uh, like oh, you have, you have known really good players who have been flying spam techs and didn't for this last one, probably because they were bored of it or wanted to change a pace yeah. or wanted to experiment with stuff. Ticket. They yeah. bought the tickets all at once and they're like, "Well, let's play something else." I already have a Ryloth ticket, yeah. or I already have a Coruscant ticket. That's what I'd have done had I either a played Nantexes or b made Coruscant. <laughs> True. Uh, something else I liked was uh, the list that the second place finisher Julian Hood flew. Uh, both Timo and Julian both managed to overcome the spam text list in the top floor, but uh, Julian was flying Fifth Brother with passive sensors and homing missiles, Seventh Sister with passive sensors and Magpulse warheads, Ved Foslo with crack shot and passive sensors, and Major Vermeil with intimidation. Now, we know that the two Inquisitors are really good. Uh, Major Vermeil with intimidation has been showing up quite a lot, but Ved Foslo? Uh, why? Uh, similar, same sentiment as Timo. I think this was a player, not the list. Um, I mean, this is a weird variant on the Yeet Down, which was a super popular, like original hyperspace format list. Yeah, it was the, uh, the first limited hyperspace. Yeah, list. it was like Vader's with it was Darth Vader, Duchess, or not Duchess, Sabak, um, Vermeil, and Gideon. and Gideon. That's right. Yeah, so you had all four I four plus ships, and it's essentially a jousting list. With it's. It's Nantex, but Imperial form is a weird way to phrase it. Like, it's a jousting yeah. list that uses high initiative to PS kill stuff over raw ship count. Okay. Um, this one obviously has some decent anti-Nantex tech built in. Uh, like, it's at 200, so it, it's going to have it's going to be first player, but Magpulse Warheads are really good when you're first player against a bunch of same initiative stuff. Uh, obviously, passive sensors is oh, yeah. amazing against things without shields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Passive oh, sensors yeah. is really good for whenever you're moving first to still pick up your target locks. Uh, intimidation is obviously good for alpha striking stuff off the board. Um, so yeah, like it, especially with Vermeil moving first at I four, he's just going to slam and block as many antexts as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ved Oslo is probably what fit. Yeah, like you could drop 
<laughs> Excuse me. You could drop crack shot to do Merrick instead. Although, actually, I don't think you can get passives anymore because passives are more expensive on him. Right. Um, so, so anyway. but again, America, it's, it's, it's a ship we never see, and I love seeing it make the top two there. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. Yeah, well, um, it's probably he knew how to fly a tie advanced really well, hmm? and he went with the tie advanced that was the most forty or however many points it cost. And against lower initiative stuff, he does get some ace like qualities in being able to change his dial. Um, right. So Ved with crack shot and passives is one point less than Merrick with passives. Yeah. So that's probably what it is. Yeah, and he's he had to go down from Merrick to yep. Foslo and was like, "Well, I might as well put crack shot on there." Like, yeah, everybody the same initiative. Okay. Um, All right. So very similar yeah, to I, Timo's I list. I would bet if he had one more point, he would take Merrick every time. Yeah. Um, similar likely. to Timo's list. I think you have to engage perfectly with this list every time. Um, like Fifth Brother and Seventh Sister are known good elements, but when you put munitions on them, you actually have to be really careful about not burning through your force too fast. Like between their abilities and, you know, if somebody decides to eat the homing missile, you're going to spend that force, but then you have no defensive mods for the mm -hmm. return shots. On your four die ship. Yeah. Or four house ship. Um. So you, you do have to make a lot of intelligent decision-making, and you have to engage perfectly every game. Um, so, I, I, same sentiment as Timo. Like, Julian is also a really known good player. He's part of the 181st, which is you know, our world uh, champ, Ali Pocknell. Fantastic. He's, yeah, it's a fantastic group out of Britain. Like, yeah. they're, everybody in the 181st is really good. Yeah, they've had multiple people go deep into world's runs, like into cuts. Yep. Ali obviously won last year. Um, so, yeah. And Julian is a name I've heard before. I can't place exactly where... Um, but I have heard the name before. Um, so either way, both both really good players that took uh, weird lists, but made it work. Yep. Following that up this past weekend uh, was Mustafar. Uh, you guys both decided you were going to stay home, didn't feel like making the trip. And uh, I went and uh, finished one and two, taking the same list. Uh, had a great opening round. Uh, again, a dogfight against some First Order aces that I squeaked out. And then ran up against the uh, Malarus Swarm and lost that one. And the last, uh, my third round game against Jonas Malapus, who's another known good player, real fun guy. Uh, he was running a Republic list with the uh, 212 Battalion Lat with 7th Fleet Gunner, Plo, Obi-Wan, and Goji. I looked at that and Doug, I remember you talked about the, the Lat with 7th Fleet Gunner probably being the best use for it. Yeah, I I decided that if I could take that ship off the board, I would cripple kind of the the key linchpin of his offensive output and make my agility mean a lot more. So I went easier said than done. Yeah, I went all in on it. All my ships had range three shots. However, that lat was behind a gas cloud. Oh. I threw thirteen dice at it, and it did one shield worth of damage. Oh, that's yeah. Rough. And the next turn, well, keep in mind, his Jedi had his Jedi had gone all in on the fast flank, so they took a while to get in. I thought, next turn I'll get him. Nope, next turn I got him to half, by which time the Jedi showed up and proceeded to just wreck my day. I lost Fifth Brother, two, yeah, Fifth Brother and two Sabres to all one-shots in that first round of shooting. Suddenly, three of my five ships gone. Fifth Brother got one-shotted by a range one-shot from Goji that used the Seventh Fleet Gunner on Goji's primary attack, yeah. and I blanked out on my defense. So that's, was, that sounds almost exactly like what happened, what I did to my opponent in the last round of, uh, mm -hmm. of Renegades. Like, yeah. I... He went. He went in on the arc or on the lat and didn't do much damage. And then his sh chips kept not rolling evades. Like uh, he was running seventh sister, fifth brother, and three alphas. I think yeah. or 
uh, sabers, and he was down to just the Inquisitors before he rolled a natural evade. And I was frustrated because you can't help but get frustrated when you go all in on a gambit and it fails. That's the thing. You can yeah. have these big risk, big reward moments, and when they pay off, they're great. But if you're going to adopt that, you have to accept the chance that your big risk can fail. In this case, it did. And I realized that suddenly I'm down to two ships against, I, I did manage to have killed a lat in that turn, but against three full health ships of his, I was having my two ships stressed, Seven Sister was out of force, facing the wrong direction, with you know two Jedi with full force behind me, and I looked at the board state, it was the third round, and I said, you know what? I'll concede to give my opponent the full points. I'm not going to be able to make it out of this. Let's have a long lunch. And I took it as a learning experience. I thought, this is where normally I tend to be an advocate of keep playing for as long as you can. But this was a time where I realized if this keeps continuing, I'm going to go on tilt. And that's not a good experience for anybody. So I thought, you know what? When you're playing from home, just if you're not having fun, stop playing. Yeah, that's that's the thing. If I'm if I'm at a tournament, I'll keep playing because mm-hmm. I'm there. I paid for it and I traveled and hanging out's most of the fun there anyway. But if I'm at home and I'm not enjoying myself, I'm going to drop every time. And which I thought, is what I did in all of the tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. I'd honestly thought about staying in, and then I go over to the Discord. We're still in our game, mind you. I look at the Discord and I look at the drop channel, and I see the list of people dropping, and it's all people that I enjoy playing. Was hoping to get matched up <laughs> against in the salt bracket, so I'm like. You know what? Uh, I'm gonna go to lunch. So, uh, but a lot of fun. I had some great opponents. It was, it was a definite learning experience. And something else to learn from that is that we also got a scum uh, winner in that. Ben Doyle took the win in a scum versus scum matchup uh, with a Boba Fen list. Kind of uh, the it's hard to say standard Boba Fen for hyperspace, but it was a. Uh, uh, Slave One Boba with the hull upgrade and Maul and you know all the the usual accoutrements and then of course Fearless Fen uh, versus standard Boba Fen list. <laughs> yeah, the oh, uh, they said not standard and I was like you just listed off the standard one. That's my bad. Yeah, uh, Niels Voss who ran the uh, two fangs four sick list that has been made popular by Octacon among others. Uh, in hyperspace, uh, we didn't see a whole lot of Spantex out there. Uh, only seven lists out of 163 with only two making the cut. But that's because while the list is still good in hyperspace, it's not as good when you're limited to the the, the two talents you can really take with those. Uh, uh, in- uh, I mean... Also, it's the same thing with write-off. It's, in, it's at the end of the yeah, turn. Yeah, and a lot of, just like you said, a lot of people probably weren't... Uh, all that invested in trying to fly it. Yeah, I, I would bet that if like Worlds was happening next week and it was hyperspace, that you would see a lot of Nantex lists still. Like, oh, yeah, and okay. you're going to see a lot of Nantexes at Coruscant. Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, yeah, like, my, my point was hyper. Like, yeah, there's the argument that it's worse because you don't get crack shot, but the power curve in general is much lower in hyperspace. So Nantexers, they should still be the top dog. Like, yeah. they should. The I'm thing is, you can take, you can bring intimidation on all six of them. Yeah, literally, and, just what I was gonna say. Yeah, and yep. you're essentially getting the same offensive output 100%. as long as you block, so, which is super. Going to get a bid. Well, actually, no. If you bring intimidation on all of them, you're probably not going to get much of a bid. So I mean, I, the bid's not that important, except for the mirror, anyway. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't need the bid against any other list besides spam text. So. Yeah, like their strength is being high initiative, but it's not because they utilize like through repositioning Dark and stuff. Damage. It's because they can PS kill stuff. 
Yeah. Like by by they can out joust other jousting lists because they're high initiative. Yeah. They win by making the ship count even because they've killed one before it could fire. Yeah. That's their thing. Um it'd be the same if they were I three pretty much. Yeah. Well that's all uh, of the qualifiers. You were cutting out a little there, Matt. Yeah, you cut out at the beginning of that sentence. All right, well, with the the qualifiers all in the bag, everybody who's Getting their Coruscant invites has got them. Uh, Dion just sent out something that apparently only half the people with Coruscant invites have actually bothered to register. So okay, all the thirsty boys will take their place. <laughs> that thread. I was guilty. I, I signed up after I saw that message. It just <laughs> slipped my mind. Uh, with a number of people who were like, "What about letting people who didn't make the top thirty-two in to take those places?" Like, <laughs> no. no, earn your spot. <laughs> true, true. Uh, and again, Alex and I will be uh, watching from home as Doug enters Coruscant. Doug, uh, how are you prepping? What are you playing? Uh, I am probably not prepping enough, although I will probably try to fix that in the next two weeks. Um, I've played one real game with the, the list I think I'm bringing, although I'm pretty locked in on a list. It's just variants that I'm trying to decide on, which is uh, Soontier uh, with either Crackshot and Target Computer or just Predator, uh, Whisper with Passives and Fifth Brother, and then Seventh Sister with Supernatural Reflexes, and then if it's Predator, Soontier, I'm going to put an Ion Missile on Seventh Sister. Uh, either way, that's 194 points. Um, and there's a reason for that, right, Doug? Yeah, uh, there's a couple reasons. So, like, I would prefer to have the bid against Nantex. It's not going to happen every time. Some of them will bid down to, like, eight. And I'm not willing to bid super deep just for that. Um, but Seven Sisters' job is way easier if she's moving after them, obviously. Um, also, there's uh, there are a, quite, a, quite a few popular lists that run at 195. Uh, for example, the one Matt Carey ran a ton of, which is the Ray ZZ Tally. Uh, runs at 195, and I like there's two or three of those in every tournament that I've seen. Um, a lot of other Imperialist lists tend to run in that mid-190s range. Um, so getting a hair below it feels important. Plus, I don't have a lot of reps, so I'm going to lean on moving after people. True. Side note like, there, uh, you, mentioned, but... you mentioned Matt Carey, who uh, even changed his Discord name to the Iron Man Matt Carey. Matt Carey played in every single one of the Galactic Qualifiers, and I believe made the cut in at least four of them? He's missing the he only he's missing the pin from Dathomir. It's the only pin yeah, he's missing. It's the only right. one he missed the cut in. He Doug, he's stealing your shtick of trying to get as many championship invites in a season as possible. I mean, to be fair, I never only got two of them because I was his opponent. Yeah. To be fair, any yeah, other opponent, they'd have beaten Doug. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty true. Also, I I never made it my goal to earn as many as possible. I just play in tournaments because I like the playing The goal is to win tournaments yeah. because that's why we play tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> but props to Matt Carey for literally yeah, I mean, Iron Man prop, grinding yeah, it out absolutely. like that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, when you're stuck at home and you have nothing to do, he wanted to play X-Wing, so he played X-Wing. Indeed. I do have to say, speaking of these online experiments, I am not, I've learned after my times, I'm not a fan of the online tournaments, and I really do miss in-person X-Wing. Oh, no, I think everybody does. Yeah. That's why I didn't play in Mustafars, because I don't actually enjoy the tabletop to, the tabletop simulator tournaments. I like playing on tabletop simulator for casual games. Yeah, okay. But for the tournaments, I just wasn't a fan. I didn't enjoy it, so I, I didn't play in Mustafar for that reason. But God, it made me miss in-person tournaments. Yeah. So I definitely prefer in-person tournaments. Uh, I was money poor, as they say, for uh, Mr. Far, so I didn't play in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, same team. Like, uh, yeah. I, I enjoy like, the online tournaments, but they have nothing on actual 
in-person events. Mm-hmm. Even I would rather play in only casual in-person events three for the rest of my life than yeah, play three round in, tournaments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like I, yeah. I could have played in Miss I bet I could have try harded my way into a course on invite, but I the thought of even playing Curacao wasn't that exciting to me, so I didn't I didn't try. Like, understandable, understandable. I I did try hard and. Uh, yeah, all three of the ones oh, I... I, mean, I tried hard in the ones I played in. What I meant yeah. was I didn't try to make the cut because I didn't want to play. Yeah. Is it, what I, mean. it's I tried hard. We have the, the running joke locally that I'm the guy who will crap out in our casual tournaments, but yet plays really well in higher ones like you know Grands. But yet here, I went 0-3, 1-3, 1-2. And ironically, the, the worse I did, the better I felt, I think. That... uh. I enjoyed it. I uh, okay. I'll take it back. I didn't enjoy Corellia because I had uh, at least Same one team. bad opponent there. But Same team. but yet, uh, you know, nothing's going to take the place of in-person tournaments. And hopefully, everything you know, if we all keep doing our part, wearing our masks, practicing social distancing, doing everything we need to, if we can get the machine working and get a vaccine going. Ideally, I would love to see us sometime, you know, after the first of the year, maybe in the spring, getting back to in-person X-Wing, in-person tournaments, getting everything back the way it was. Adepticon's already been canceled. Yeah, Adepticon for next year's already uh, definitely not a thing. I would be surprised if there's any major event before Gen Con next year. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Maybe local stuff, but I I don't think big stuff will happen for a while. Nothing premier. Right. So it looks like, you know, for for most people, at least, you know, here in the U.S. where we're still on a safety lockdown, online tournaments are going to be the way – if you if you have a Jones to win big tournaments, this is the way it's gonna be. Uh, it's different than in person X Wing. I think I might enjoy it a little more than you guys uh, because I you you guys have uh, the advantage of anytime you guys want to get a casual game going, you can just pull your ships out and put them on the the table. Uh, yeah. I've never played a game of X Wing in this house. Really? <laughs> yeah, You've been here for over a year. Yeah, yeah that's, we've been here for ten months. We yeah. play online if we're gonna play. It's way faster and easier. <laughs> And online XP is fine for casual games. Like, yeah. I'm totally down with that. It's, A, there's less cleanup, which is huge. Yeah. But yeah you know, you not, can just flip your table. We have not played a game of X-Wing since we moved in here in, in late December. And which, to be fair, we originally planned on going to our local game shop, which is literally which three minutes away. away. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a very valid point. The proof to hear was, oh, anytime we want to play, we can just go to Game Cafe. <laughs> But I understand and, your point, Matt. Like, yeah, it, you it, don't it, have it, somebody it, you can play with just at any time at the yeah. drop of a dime. And I, I admit, even with some of the frustration I've had with online tournaments, with uh, you know at least one kind of toxic opponent and the Jurassic slowness of the Vassal tournament, yeah. uh, there, there's some frustration. But I've had the chance to play some people that I wouldn't ever. For example, in the Militant Casual Tournament, I got to play in two two successive rounds, Drew and Isaiah Brody. I got to play the two Australians from the Corona Renegades Tournament and follow that up with a wonderful game against the, the nicest German player I've ever played, Stefan, who was just incredibly fun. Uh, getting to... I mean, that, that's something I didn't even get the chance to uh, when we went to Worlds. I played a Nick Bond from the UK, but... These tournaments have actually let me interact with a lot more of the worldwide X-Wing community, which, as someone who hasn't been in the tournament scene for as long as you guys have, I've really enjoyed that opportunity. 
Like, yeah, that's, I mean, our, that's exactly the reason we like going to the big tournaments in person. Yeah. Is the exact same reason, hundred percent the same reason. Yeah, that's I. Uh, you know, the only worlds I've been to back in 2018, I got to you know hang out with Nick Bond, uh, meet Simeon uh, and his dad, uh, hang out with Panda Anderson, the Brazilian national champ, who his English was not the best. I speak almost no Portuguese. We were using Google Translate to use our mutual bad Spanish to talk to Fun each fact. other over lunch. <laughs> About Portuguese national champions, um, Doug or uh, Brazilian national champions yeah. who speak Portuguese. Um, Doug played one one year, and then I played one. I played the new Brazilian national champion la- the next year at Worlds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was that's neat. That's that, neat. It's just one of those things that I love this community <laughs> and the fact that you know we get these opportunities to do these kind of things. Right now we're limited to online. Someday again it will be in person and. Uh, cannot wait that cannot come soon enough what can also come soon enough is two of the new ships that we've had previewed uh from the next wave these should be dropping around the end of november the nimbus class v-wing for the republic and the tri-fighter for the separatists we're not going to go in depth into every single card that's been uh previewed for them we're just going to kind of talk about what's really sprung out at us from these expansions and we'll start with the v-wing it's again the republic ship it seems to be kind of uh, their A-wing in a way. It's got a 2-3-2-2 stat line, focus, target lock, a red barrel roll, and it can boost into a red target lock. It's got an astromech slot. It can have a device slot with one of the configurations. And the chassis ability is that it can equip tie-only upgrades, of which there are some of the first of them we're seeing in this expansion. Uh, guys, what's, uh, what's our thoughts initially on the V-wing here? It's either going to be cheap enough that it makes torrents irrelevant, or expensive enough that it's irrelevant. Yeah. To clarify, it is Rebel A-wing adjacent, not Resistance A-wing adjacent. Oh, resist- uh, which... Resistance A-wings are a totally different beast. Yeah, but that's why I clarified. Like, uh, obviously, like it, the tap would also fall into that category. It's probably closer to a tap than it is an A-wing because True. it doesn't have a uh, linked action anything into a reposition. Um, yeah, it's basically the it's the precursor to the tapped. Yeah, basically. Yeah, um, understandable. Yeah. And by tap, we mean tie advanced prototype. Yeah, tie advanced one. Yeah, second edition. Um, I mean, yeah, what Smittle said. Uh, so the Rebel A Wing is twenty nine for the generic and has never seen play like super competitively. The Tie Baron is an I three with a talent at twenty eight, and it's only just now barely seeing play. Uh, so this is gonna have to be cheap. Uh, the problem is, the cheaper it gets, the more it butts up against the torrent, and this is just miles better than a torrent. Like trading one health for one agility, but also having shields instead of all hull is a massive upgrade. Uh, it's way more mobile. Uh, it has better upgrade options. Um, so better pilot abilities. Yeah, as far as generic goes, generics go. I think it. It's going to end up being a little overcosted on purpose so that it doesn't just make the torrent useless. It's not like we can really lower the torrent too much either. No, because the torrent's perfectly good as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think 27 for the I2 is like the minimum this is usable and it doesn't completely eclipse the torrent. Um, okay. But obviously, like, it has. It has a lot of high initiative name pilots, so I I could see it being similar to the Resistance A Wing in the sense that its its high initiative ships are priced aggressively, so that those are really what you want to bring. Indeed, like the comparison to how like a uh, green squadron Resistance A Wing is like what thirty two and Tally's thirty six. Yeah, like, you should never not bring Tally. <laughs> you know, yeah, in, in that you know case. 
Yeah, the so, Blue Squadron I one is thirty two, mm-hmm. and the and Tally is thirty six. Yeah, that's. I mean, and four the points, joke you get for four points. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. But yeah, that's it very well could be like that, and that's probably, in my opinion, the healthiest way it's going to be. Yeah. All right. Well, in your opinion, Alex, uh, what's one of the standout cards from this uh, expansion that you're looking forward to? I like the ask configuration, but it's not very good, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but I think yeah, it's, neat. it's it's really neat. <laughs> yeah, I think it's thematically, it's awesome. Yeah, I love it thematically. Yeah, they um, they tend but... to be super conservative with ion cards, and I think this was just yeah. a hair over conservative. Yeah. Um, for the record, honestly, uh, I think it would be fine if you could spend the charges after you roll dice, you but attack. before yeah. you see your opponent roll dice. Mm-hmm. Like at least know that you have a crit before you spend the charges. Exactly. Like, I think um, that would actually be really solid to say. Yeah. 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 But, but uh, the, uh, the Alpha 3 ES configuration has two recurring charges when you perform a primary attack. Before you roll the attack dice, you can spend those two charges. If you do, your crit results inflict ion tokens instead of damage. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, but so the like problem said, is this is a, oh, I don't think it's very good. I, I don't think it's very good. Yeah, because you're a two die ship, which means crits are relatively rare as it is, and you have to declare yeah. this ahead of time. And if you want to bring stuff that makes crit generation happen, you're investing more points into making this work. And it's and a cheap chassis you don't attack. want to invest points in. And Your two yeah. die attack has to hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the card I want to talk about that's going to be good competitively is the Q7 Astromech. Um, while you bear roll or boost, you may overlap and move through obstacles. Republic only. Um, so all of the Jedi have an Astromech slot. All of the Jedi always bring gas clouds. This gives you free reign to boost and barrel roll over gas clouds. You have a free board. Yeah, and you have completely all of, all of the Jedi, their chassis abilities involve boosting and barrel rolling. So, it's free. Um, the hey, Delta hey, hey not Y-Wing Anakin. Technically not true. <laughs> not a Jedi ship, though. Also, it still has barrel roll, so... Yeah. I but can't wait to roll my Y-Wing over a gas cloud. The point is, like, a Delta B, generally, even with the Delta B configuration, has two agility. But when you can barrel over a gas cloud, you have a 50% chance of keeping, or you have a 3 ace chance of not taking a strain and getting gaining just a third agility and the change. Or you have the rest of the chance of keeping the same number of agility, too, but being still being able to change a plane to an evade. But Essentially like getting an evade token. Yeah. Yeah. Trading an agility for an evade token. Yeah. yeah. For just and, that reason, Q7 is amazing on, on either Ada's or Aether Sprites. Indeed. And like, Ada's even have the bonus of doing it in the system phase. So you can put yourself right in front of a gas cloud and the opponent, likely forgetting about Q7 Astromech, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff with your system phase booster barrel roll over these gas clouds. Or even a rock or a debris if you need to, but preferably gas clouds. Yeah. Yeah, like, if you are bringing Q7, you should absolutely bring gas clouds 100% of the time. Yes. If you're um, playing Republic, you should bring gas clouds 100% of the time. I, like, if you're bringing an ace-centered Republic. Yeah. yeah. Um, One of the three, well, yeah, if you're not bringing a swarm. I don't but know. I but even, even whenever you're not uh, doing it just for the defensive bonuses, like, Jedi rely mostly on dodging arcs to stay alive, and this mm-hmm. essentially says... I can do whatever I have to to avoid that arc. Like, like Dash is actually good. I don't know if people don't realize it, but he is. And the ability to boost him, the bear, just barrel roll in 2.0, but the ability to barrel roll on obstacles is huge. That flexibility yeah. is just insane. Um, and this is taking into account like that they have, like the Aether Sprites, for example, have fine-tuned controls. So they can fine-tune controls onto a rock, which would suck, but then they can just boost right off of it. Um, and obviously you have to roll for damage, so it's not like an ideal scenario. But if you are staring down a range one fully modified shot, 
you're going to take the 50-50 on taking a damage yeah. to just barrel roll over the rock and get out instead. Yeah, or, yeah like boost that. barrel roll over the rock if you need to. Like, yeah. to okay. Like, now, see, when I looked at this, I thought about it in the context of the V-Wing, because it comes in the V-Wing pack, and I thought this is kind of garbage. But then you guys pointed out, oh yeah, what about all that pre-maneuvering that you can do with the the Jedi? And yeah, wow, this is a lot more powerful than I would initially have given it credit for. And not not just pre-maneuvering, but post-maneuvering as well. If you need to get over a gas cloud to oh, dodge yeah, a reaction maneuvering. <laughs> yeah. If you like you will boost over a rock every time to dodge a five die shot from Fen Rao. True. Yeah. You should. You should do that every time. <laughs> I mean if you're not, you're dumb. It's worth it a lot of times to boost over a rock to dodge a three die shot from a ship. Agreed. Like unless Agreed. it's unmodified or something. But like there's obviously situations where it's not the right call. But like there there are a lot of situations you can now do things you couldn't do before because of this astromech to make the Jedi even harder to pin down. Uh, obviously again, which uh can be a big deal. But assuming this isn't the same price as R2 Astromech, I think this is a, a really, really strong card for Jedi. And like CLT Jedi don't bring regen because they only have one shield. Yeah. Um CLT Jedi are gonna love this because they're they're relatively squishy. And this lets them line up their bullseyes a lot easier when they can boost and barrel over rocks. And uh, I had I had something else to say. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I'll, it'll come to me later. I'll interrupt somebody else later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, like high is going to be amazing. You can abuse your knowledge to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I was looking at in this list initially uh, was the I-5 pilot that isn't oddball, Contrail. Uh, Contrail's ability, when you defend or attack, if the bearing of your revealed maneuver matches the attacker or defenders, then you can change one of their eyeball results to a blank. Uh, again, that's without spending any charges or force, so that's pretty good. And it's just requiring you to match whatever maneuver type they did. If they did a K-turn, you did a K-turn. If they did a bank, you did a bank. Then the ability Same is... Same direction. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, same, same bearing, not just, you know, right bank, left bank. That's right. Those are... You have to left yeah. turn, left turn, left bank, left bank, right turn, right turn, right bank, right bank. Straight right. as well. K-turn is straight, yeah. straight, yeah. Right. Because, uh, and that being the fact that uh, things that do... The other cards that refer to bearing, such as uh, Slave Skill One... Navigator. Yeah, says, you know, Slave One, you know, you can... Like, Slave One specifically says, if you dial in a turn or bank, you can change your dial to the same bearing in the opposite direction. So, same speed. Uh, well, one of the things I thought of was uh, they have the R2A6 that lets you change the speed of your reveal maneuver, but not the bearing. And that actually is changing your dial, but that doesn't affect Contrail here. So, this is kind of, in a way, uh, similar to a Rick Ollie ability in that you're having to try and guess what your opponent's going to do. It's a lot easier for Rick because you can just opt go fast all the time. But if you have something else, uh, there's no dial changing in Republic, mind you. I just like the idea of an I-5 on this chassis, which, you know, not bad. Uh, there is dial changing for the record. Stacey 10. And these guys actually have really good blues that could utilize Stacey 10 pretty well. I, oh, okay. You know why? Because I was looking at this card in hyperspace where Stacey 10 is not. So, yeah, Stacey 10 uh, could be useful with this. Uh, so they actually might need to clarify how bearing works, because Slave 1 says same speed and bearing in the other direction. So that, that can imply that the 
um, the bearing is just whether or not it's a turn or a bank. They'll have to clarify that. Uh, I, I believe don't... there's clarification from, is it Season Navigator or? Uh, season Navigator is speed, so it's the other one. Okay. That's what I was uh, well, what's the other card that lets you change your time? So uh, a bearing is uh, also defined with a direction, including straight left or right. There so okay. yeah, yeah, left bank and right bank are separate bearings. Okay. Yeah. And slave one is, has extra words in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one got rewritten how many times? So. Uh, I mean, they have to clarify bearings so that you couldn't make the argument that you could do make a one bank left into a one hard right. Right. Exactly. So uh, I guess is the reason behind it. Um, anyway, yeah, I think that, uh, like you said, these are probably going to be priced to where the name pilots are the ones they want people taking. And I five is a really good spot for a cheaper ship that's agile. Uh, this could be pretty good. It's got... yeah. So Contrail's I, weird. Like, I'm not convinced on Contrail personally. Yeah. So there's there's one other other than Rick Ali, which is the the Naboo, the other Naboo. Yeah, uh, Danae Rigger. Yeah. Uh, and Danae's ability is bad because it's... I mean, this you have to match the exact same speed, which is probably tougher than matching the same bearing. Yeah, Danae um, is where R2A6 comes into play. Yeah, but either way, uh, Rick's ability is way easier to trigger than either of these two. Uh, uh, one other thing with... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, like, Contra's ability is extremely strong. Uh, I just don't... I, and it might it might be decent to trigger on opening engages, because uh, if you think about it, even if, if you start in opposite corners, like you guys are both still turning left towards each other and things like that. Uh, so it, it might be easy enough to engineer ways where you can trigger his ability, at least in the opening engage. Uh, I just don't know how reliable it is going past that. Yeah, it is a very powerful effect, I agree. But I, uh, another thing is, like, a lot of times if you're turning towards each other, like, um, I guess, yeah, that, that is how directions work. But if you're both on the same side of the board and turning towards the center, you've gone opposite directions kind yeah. of thing. So oh, I'm I'm looking at something real quick, and for that specific type of ability, the idea of turning eyeballs into blanks, there are a couple other things that work that way in the Republic thing. Uh, CLT Stacey Tin, CLT Luminara, and then Padme all together are only uh, 137 points. So you could build a list completely around the concept of. Your so dice don't get you're taking, a hit. you're taking a hit, you're modifying it to an eye, and then you're modifying <laughs> changing it to a blank. <laughs> if, if there should be a contrail, while right, it it's one of those edge cases that just in general, that's almost the idea of such a frustrating list. Yeah, that, until you realize that it does zero damage. Yeah. Literally none whatsoever. Is capped at I four. Well, I guess contrail is I five. But. I do think contrail is the lesser I five of the V wing. Which is weird to say. That's because super weird to is say. The other one, yeah. but it's Oddball's time, baby. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, I if he's cheaper oddball, than Oddball, man. he'll be good because he's the cheaper I five, and both of their abilities yeah. are pretty meh. Similar um, to Tally and Lulo and Resistance A wing. Yeah. And maybe it turns out that the exactly. same bearing isn't that hard to engineer whenever you're actively trying to do it. I just have my doubts. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. I'm I I'm pressing X to doubt. On yeah. Well, one of the things I, you know, the reason I picked this one is I don't believe it's the most powerful card in the pack, but to me, it's the most interesting. And that's totally fair. Yeah. And it might, it might be better than we think. Um, yeah. I just, I don't think you're going to get mileage out of his pilot ability. So you're get mileage out of that orange number. My bold proclamation, no I think, is that the Q7 Astromech is going to be the most powerful card to come out of this pack, and it won't be close. Like, I mean, it is one of the only cards that you can put on Jedi. And yeah, is, I, I just mean, I don't think Ewing e are going to make a huge impact. Like, Agreed. Unless they're um, cheap enough where they replace Torrents in a Sinker Swarm. Yeah, and that's possible. Um, yeah, but assuming they're, they're priced relatively appropriately, I don't think they're going to have a huge impact. 
Uh, that being said, my pick was one of the other named one, which is Click, the I4, who's uh, while you defend or perform an attack, if the speed of oh no 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 I'm I'm on Danae Elberger. what the hell there we go uh, Click while you, a <laughs> ship that you have locked at range one to three defends or performs an attack, you may spend one charge to prevent that range bon- to prevent range bonuses from being applied. Um, so there's kind of an interesting discussion going on where Click can target lock allied ships. Uh, so that they can prevent like range three bonuses from being applied to their attacks and stuff like that. Uh, where it gets a little weird is if Click has Oddball target locked, and then an enemy ship at range one attacks Oddball, can Click spend his target lock to prevent the enemy ship from rolling an extra die against Oddball? I think the way it's yes. worded, yes. That's worded, yes, because the ship you have locked is defending. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, just, so, I so assuming it works, which the general consensus is that it is. It's just not completely set in stone. Uh, but either way, that turns him into a decent little support ship. Like uh, you put R three astromech on him, so you can target lock two ships at once. Uh, like you could do one enemy ship and one ally ship, or you know two ally ships. So you're defending. You're you're making them a lot harder to kill at range one. Yeah. Obi one um, implodes got a lot harder to kill. Or Ala Secura, you just yeet Ala Secura into people. And then you deny their range one bonus, and she's changing a blank to an eye, like yeah. things like that. Um, so what I thought this immediately would interact oddly with is the Grand Inquisitor, uh, because because oh, he applies he, range bonuses. He apply, it specifically say it doesn't say roll an extra die. It specifically says you may spend one force when attacking at range two to three. So he can't use his ability at range one. So you can't be at range one with the Inquisitor. And Click says no, and the Inquisitor says, uh, yes. No, it doesn't yeah. work that way. But if the Inquisitor's at range two and says, I'm going to spend a force to apply the range one bonus, and then Click says, no, you won't, uh, does that depend on who's the first player? Because when if I'm the judge, Click wins every time. Because here's the thing when he talks about apply the range one bonus, I do think it depends on first player, actually. Yeah, what stage of the attack is that determined? Yeah, unfortunately, this is getting into weird. We now have to have a timing window during the applied dice. But as a judge, I think I would say that it depends on first player because uh, first player would have to pick first. They would have to, their ability would enter the quote queue first. So here's how it goes it's in step two of the attack, the attack dice. Uh, step 2A, roll attack dice. The attacking player determines the number of attack dice to roll. Starting with the attack value, modifiers that increase or decrease the number of attack dice, such as range bonus and other effects, are applied. So, it doesn't state yeah, in this that's particular... That's why I think Click wins every time, is because if the Inquisitor is adding, Click is always denying that from being added. Right, because there's... But it's a weird thing, because is it? does this use the ability queue? I'm not I, sure. I, my, my point is, I don't think the order matters. Okay. I think click, when Click's ability triggers, if the range bonus is being added before or after he triggers, he's still denying it. He's either removing it after it's been added, or he's denying it from being added. Okay. Is my, my Oh, answer. that's an interesting point, yeah. So if he... Okay, so yeah. in that sense, yes, you're right, but uh, the reason it's important to distinct is because both of them have to spend tokens in order to do it. Well, like spend a force or spend a lock. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, if the Inquisitor feels like it's worth it to spend a force to get rid of the target lock, like, it, it matters what the order is, whether 
Right. You see what I'm saying? Because when you're, yeah, when you're in there, you're saying uh, with, you're, with making the choice, I get yeah, what I'm saying. Which, which still that, does mean that there has to be a queue that gets entered, and I think first player determines that. But I do agree. I with think you click's that, ability always wins. Is what yeah, I'm that saying. if click spends the lock, then the Inquisitor can't add the die no matter what. I think I agree with that. Indeed. So it could be. If click is the first player, click could spend the target lock, and the Inquisitor's ability could not apply. Yeah. Correct. That, that, okay. That I, I assume we're gonna probably get an FAQ or at least oh, yeah, a sure. ruling on this, but like it's it's probably never going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Either way, that's a very powerful ability, especially if you are making those range three sniper shots at uh, ships with your only two dice. Yeah. You don't want yeah. them to get any answers. I think it's stronger yeah, in the sense that. of putting it on allies. So like, yeah, agree. I don't know what his price would be, but R three Astromech isn't that expensive to say. But two of my allies this turn get to ignore. Range bonuses only, in ways that favor one, them. You only have one charge. Oh, so, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's but true. you get to pick the most impactful time yeah. that happens. Mm -hmm. And it means you don't have to take a target, like, every, target lock every turn, which is I would still, I alive. would probably still bring our, our three astromech on him. Yeah. Price depending, because even though you only have one charge. Yeah, yeah I was saying, you don't spend the lock, you spend his charge. Right? Oh, is that true? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, you, That's even sure. better than... you, keep, you keep the lock yeah. there. So. so then you definitely take R3, because yeah. then you just take a lock on the first turn, and then you can evade every turn. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. Or be yeah. useful as a ship with focuses or whatever. Yeah. Um, or boost or whatever. Yeah, so click was my chip, my my choice. Uh, I don't think he's going to be huge impact, but like... He's interesting. I don't know. Like, if you, if you bring two fat Delta 7s or something, and you have 30 points left over, and he fits in there, like, this is a way to make them a little harder to kill. It's really hard to bring a Delta B Anakin and Delta B Obi Wan list, but this click might fit in there. Yeah, and make it usable. Where if he takes three shots to kill, that's three less shots your Anakin or Obi Wan are taking. Yeah, also, yeah. they're currently flying over, boosting and barreling over your class class because right. of the yeah. the Q seven. Yeah, the big thing is he might fit in that. Well, one torrent isn't useful here, but click fits. So let's yeah, try exactly. That. Yeah, that, that's the other thing. The C four of Republic. Yeah, 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 I think it's an excellent comparison. Yeah, as filler ships go, if you have again, yeah, two Delta Seven Jedi, and you can fit one torrent in your list. That one torrent isn't doing a whole lot for you. But... Yeah, you're probably better off bringing precog on both those Jedi instead, yeah. or whatever. Or you can take those two Jedi and maybe one named V-wing, uh -huh. because there aren't any named torrents. Uh, so, Oddball's yeah. a torrent pilot. I'm going to agree with Matt here and say there aren't any, there aren't named, any named torrents. torrents. The purposes I mean, of competitive list building. That we're not bringing torrents anyway. Yeah, <laughs> named or not. But like, I don't think I would bring Contrail or Oddball if I was bringing to Jedi. I think I would yeah. only bring Click. Or yeah, maybe... yeah, Click Click is good there. Uh, even Tarkin wouldn't be a bad uh, choice there. It depends. Like I don't. Know. Are ships objects? Uh, yeah. Yeah, everything is an object. Yeah, everything Thanks is sure. an object. I'll bring Tarkin as well. Yeah. I'll consider yeah. Tarkin. Tarkin uh, uh, probably Click for the defense. Right. Yeah. But so I'm gonna make a small argument for Oddball here. Let's say that he comes in at something like thirty-one points or something. Oh, wow, that's oh, ridiculous. I, yeah, I would bring. I would. I but, would. Okay, so you're saying that's ridiculous, but like Tally's thirty-six and she has two arcs and has a way better ship chassis. Um, like thirty-one's maybe on the low end, but yeah. like thirty-three. Yeah, something like that. And now you can put R4P on him so that, uh, or not R4P, the one that lets you take an action after doing a red. Uh, uh, R4P17. 8675309. Yeah. R4P7. Oh, he's five. Never mind. But okay, you bring at 31 to 33 points or whatever, and you slap. He can't do dedicated. The point is, he's really cheap for an I5. Yeah. Uh, he could have like a just a pocket ace esque ability to him. Like the red barrel actually makes Oddball a lot better because now you have a ship that can utilize his ability effectively and has an action that can trigger it, not just red moves. 
So, uh, sorry, just to talk about this point. Delta B Anakin, Delta B LV1 with no droids leaves 44 points. Oh. So assuming the Q7 is somewhere in the five to six point range, I'm going to assume five. That leaves 34 points for your... Yeah. That doesn't dude. seem unrealistic for Click. Mm-hmm. No, it hmm. doesn't. Um, and these do have a missile slot, which also favors Oddball a little bit. Like, True. you can now have a little Tracer I-5 Tracer missile carrier. Or... Uh, do they? No, these don't come with any missiles. They come with Tracer missiles, don't they? They do not. That... That's, yeah, tri- oh, that's I'm thinking the Tri-Fighter. Okay, we don't know that they have missiles. There is no guarantee that they don't have a missile. Yeah, they they might. Uh, We we haven't seen any missiles previewed, and usually uh, we don't see ships come without a card they can use. That's not true. No, we've seen ships come with cards they can't use, but we haven't seen a ship come with a slot and no card in that pack to fill it, I believe. Uh, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Are you sure? I'm not going to waste all the time. Yeah. Some of the munition ships that have, like, Missiles and torps and bombs and cannons. Like I, I think there's some that don't have everything. I'd have to check on that. But either way, yeah, odds are they, you know, they don't have any ordnance slots unless you put the Besh title on them. But again, uh, I think we're all agreed. This is really going to depend on: is it eclipsed by the already cheap torrent, or does it eclipse the torrent? That's really going to be uh, what decides its place. I mean, again, if the generics are expensive enough that they don't eclipse the torrents, but the name pilots are cheap enough where they are playable, is the, the, is, is, is the goal. Yeah, and that's probably what's going to happen. And... I expect that's what's going to happen. All right. Well, then we move across the uh, the line to the Separatists and the Tri-Fighter. This is one where I fully admit... I knew nothing about this ship. It's just that everybody from the moment CIS was announced kept saying tri-fighter 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 and i'm going what is that revenge of the sith? it's amazing yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, the I interceptor of, of droids yeah. i saw revenge of the sith when it came out and i don't remember anything about the droids because to be honest all of the space battles in the prequels i just completely blanked out on because they all yeah. bored me so much the opening of revenge of the sith bored you get off my podcast yeah, that's, that's one of that's the it, that is a contender for best space fight in the series it's it, not winning obviously because rogue one exists but it, it's it's definitely the best space battle in the prequels by a wide margin and i'll give it that but again, it's also the fact that i never felt the separatists were all that compelling of an enemy because they were always there kind of as the bluff to the bigger story but that's that's a movie discussion and uh here we are talking about this ship which again i didn't know but it seems pretty cool it's got a uh, a tie interceptor stat line, uh, three attack, three agility, three hull. It's got calculate, evade, target lock, barrel roll into evade, or boost into calculate. Not that's as that. I love that. I love that. I yeah. love roll into one, boost into the other. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. So, so cool. Yep. It's and it has got, network calculations. It has network calculations. It's got an incredible agile dial with a one talon, a 3K, a 5K. The blues on the dial are two, three, and four straights and two and three hards. It's got a blue three hard on an interceptor. That's great. Yeah, but it's banks are garbage. I say missing oh, the banks is actually kind of a big deal, assuming you're going to be linking a lot. Um, cause... Never being able to clear stress on a bank is really sad, actually. Yeah. That's all the the bank is the most commonly made interceptor move. <laughs> True. Yeah, you do pay something for having to be a droid. It can't be perfect. But uh, for all the hype this thing got, it's kind of living up to it. It's got some great stuff 
that's come with it. So uh, I'll actually start off with the card that I'm most excited to see, uh, XX-23 Thread Tracers. One of my favorite munitions from first edition comes back in almost exactly the same form. It's a three-die attack, uh, range one to three, two charges. You need a focus, calculate, or target lock to shoot, so any ship can take it if you've got a missile slot. If it hits, all friendly ships at range one to three of the defender can acquire a lock on that, and no damage is done. Simply, you can't see results. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. It specifically is the, you're never going to be able to do damage with this. But Oh, yeah, because uh, there, there, there's always interaction. hold on. Uh, yeah, because somebody like Fifth Brother. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Uh, but uh, one of the first things I thought about this was putting it on a I four or above droid to fit into a Nantex swarm. Uh, only exists with the Tri Fighter, but... right? And sure. uh, the hyena. The hyena. Oh, there's an I four hyena. Yeah, there's an I four yeah, hyena. It's, it's, yeah, it's DBS. Yeah, DBS. The idea of using this as the uh, to acquire, but you have all your uh, Nantex is acquire a target lock. Yeah, I mean, that's getting deep into depends that. on points category, but either way, Tracer trace, tracer missiles have a ton of potential um, across all seven factions. Like, yeah, the, yeah, 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 the thing is, the CIS actually has the easiest way to pick up locks outside of combat of any faction, so I think Thank Red Tracers... Droids. Yeah, Tank Droids. I think Red <laughs> Tracers are going to be way more impactful across other factions, <laughs> uh, but man, there are, like... This could unlock things like TIE Advanced, like generic TIE Advanced, which are dirt cheap, but they have the problem of they have to pick up target locks. And now if you have, I don't know, like... Shit, if they're cheap, toss them on Vader and let Vader... Vader takes, you know, these, Vader hits something, and all his little Storm Squadron buddies click, 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 click. Talon Bay Cobra fires, and now a bunch of ships have target locks. And now a bunch of Ion Cannon 6 with... Focus and target lock are firing at you. Tractor wave six, sir. Yeah, yeah so, like there's there's a ton of potential across faction. This and, is definitely one that's going to go on. It's it's better on high initiative ships. You are. Uh, I mean, no. Same that's, yeah, it's it's. Oh, yeah, you don't want it on your lowest initiative, but relative your, to your opponent, the initiative doesn't matter. Right. You, you want to be shooting other. this first. Of yes, your that's correct. Yeah. But yeah, it does not matter what your opponent's initiative. Right. That's that's what I mean. Sorry. You want you want this to shoot off first. You are foregoing one ship worth of damage in a turn to get effectively a free mod on all ships. Now, this is acquire a target lock, so that means ships without the lock action can get it. That means that's another thing to think about here, though. Like, yes, it's obviously really good if you fire at first and get the locks, but it also has the highest chance of missing if you fire at first. This also has the potential of I have my my heavy jousting list that's going to fire everything but the tracer missiles first and then I'm going to fire the tracer missiles pick up a target lock so that everybody can K-turn to fire again with mods or like have that. full mods if you do that at range 3 and have yeah. full mods for the range 1 engage yeah, like, the turn after yeah. like so, again lots the of possibilities are endless. Uh, so the big thing is tracer missiles were pretty good in first edition and it was in an era where jousting lists just weren't a thing uh, yeah. and now we're now we have a ton of potential for this to just be Bonkers. We're in a jousting meta anyway. Like. Yeah, and and now you have a, I mean, assumedly still relatively cheap upgrade. It doesn't it do damage. It has to hit to have an effect. Um, so and yeah, I, I definitely think threat tracers are going to be a big deal. In CIS, is that they allow Nantex to pick up target locks, which tank droids don't. Yeah. 
which uh, is where you can, you can bring like an APT yeah, DBS so... 4, 404 with them. And uh, assuming they're cheap enough, you just replace an Antex with a hyena that's firing the tracers at long range and then crushing you at close range. Mm-hmm. So if I had to guess, I think it would be most useful on a Tri-Fighter in a Nantex swarm because you want the ship to be independently just as good as the Nantex. And I think the Tri-Fighter has the best chance of doing that. And like, that... We'll get to yeah, my preferred... Segways into my thing as well. Yeah. Um, is the independent calculations. Um, First standardized sorry. upgrade. Indeed. Um, which means if you're bringing a ship with the network calculations, you have to bring... All of them have to bring the independent calculations. Right. All, all ships of the same type have to yeah, bring. Yeah, so if you bring if you bring vulture droids, it doesn't matter what the actual pilots are. All of them have to bring this. Indeed. Uh, so you know, one brings them, all of them have to. Right. But um, my thing is, say you're bringing your one, the tri fighter with your tracers to fire in your antex swarm you can then swap out the network calculations for the independent calculations um, which lets you when you perform a white calculate you can treat it as red to gain two tokens uh, other ships can't use your calculates for network calculations um it's a super it's just super neat as well and will likely be free ish um but like if you're only bringing one or two droids like the two thing that doug is two of the things that doug is going to talk about later um it lets you make them actual ships that don't rely on the network calculations to be effective. Um, it's just a whole new way to fly droids. I would never bring it if you're bringing more than two. Yeah, like maybe three if they're all three tri-fighters. Like, if there's any chance that they're going to be flying together, you should just keep network calculations. Indeed. But like when you're bringing one, one droid, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's network calculations for yourself. But you got to stress, but oh no, your dial is amazing. Yeah. Tri-fighter, uh, this will shine because of its uh, good blues. Uh, all of the droids have good yeah, blues. Yeah, all droids have good blues. It's the three hard. I just love that three hard blue. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. extra but, good, but they all have blue two hearts. They all have blue two hearts, yeah. yeah. Uh, another another droid candidate for it, um, as long as it's your only Vulture droid, is the DFS, I think, 311, the, the yeah. pass bot. Yes. The one that can pass out calculates. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, it might be decent to bring it on him, even if you are bringing other, like, hyenas or something. Um, just cause cause, not, he doesn't have a calculate for you to use network calculations with anyway. Yeah, but now he can eat a calculate and still have one for himself to keep himself alive. But um, he's your only vulture on the list. Yeah. At that point. yeah, yeah. And there's also uh, one of the tri-fighters, uh, DIST-81, who has, when you defend or attack, you can spend a calculate from a friendly ship in the enemy's fire. He has network calculations as an ability. A so, better network calculations. A better network yeah. So, you know, n- natively, he can double steal where normally you yeah. can't with calculations. Correct. Uh, the idea that if you're bringing him with this, he can still pretend... He can have the best of both worlds, yeah. or he can have double network calculations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a really, I just think it's a really neat, well-designed card. And I really love the design space they're in for the newest waves. I, I think agree. they're doing a fantastic job designing interesting ships. Yeah, I would say if, if uh, the Nantex wave was my least favorite wave, I think this is my favorite in terms of new content and what it has. Indeed, indeed. Um, uh, so my choice, also going in line with both uh, independent calculations and tracer is the I-5 pilot, the Flock R-Fock prototype. I'm gonna guess that's the right I, think it's, I think it's Flock R-Fock. Yeah. Um, the, it's getting awful close to The fun. PA prototype, uh, who is <laughs> limited we'll to... We'll call it PAP. P-A-P, PAP. Yeah, the PAP. Solved it. Uh, so the PAP is limited to two copies, but it is an I-5 tri-fighter. Uh, during the system phase, you may spend your lock on an enemy ship to. Uh, so you cut out. You cut out right at the good part. Oh. 
<laughs> can you guys still hear me? The, yeah, we can hear okay. you now. But you said we can cut out right before looking at style. Oh, okay. So during the system phase, I'll just start over real quick. Uh, the I-5 PAP is limited to two. During the system phase, you may spend your lock on an enemy ship to look at its dial. Uh, so essentially, if you have target locks, you have Snoke, uh, which is a better sense. Uh, that's an extremely strong effect, and now you can bring two of them. Uh, on an I-5 ship, that's not going to have a problem picking up target locks. Yeah, uh, on an ace. On an ace, yeah. Or at least ace, or adjacent. ace adjacent. Yeah. Which a lot of times when we say ace, to go back to our last episode, we also are including ace adjacent yeah. ships yep. when we're talking about aces. Um, so yeah, like, these could be pretty crazy. Like, yeah. uh, you give these tracer missiles with five Nantics, and now you can see where the, you know, the enemy ace ship is. That's the one thing that's giving the Nantics trouble. You can now see where where it's going the next turn and give all of your buddies target locks for it. Uh, you could do things like bring Sunfock with ex- Ensnare and two of these and, I don't know, like, maybe Grievous. Probably, hopefully not, but, you know, some... Maybe. Oh, yeah, uh, or a third Tri-Fighter or something, and now you can... Or Maul or Dooku. Yeah, and oh now you can God. never be wrong with Sunfock, <laughs> whether you have the bit or not. Like, <laughs> yep. um, you're taking me back a year in time to the Sunfock days. Or you can go down to Shurtex, since now being I6 doesn't matter, because you can see their dial. So I'll take yep. the good Shurtex sure ability. just as good as Sunfock, yeah. yeah. really. Um, oh. The difference is the orange number is too big around Sunfock. But that doesn't matter when you have two copies of Sense in your list. Yeah, so just taking a wild stab, let's say they're like, I don't know, like 45 points? That seems pretty Ooh, that's reasonable. that's more than I thought they'd be. Uh, uh, I mean, so like, Turfanir is 42 and Suntir is 55. So these are and these are an issue of higher than her. So I, I think like forty five ish is close. Yeah, it seems fair. I, um, that's I just a really guess, obviously. But, but yeah, that's I would rather saying. have one of these guys than Turfanir. I would rather have one. Well, of yeah, so that's why I'm saying he's he, they're cheaper or they're more expensive than Tur is. Um, but just as an example, uh, if they were fifty five points, uh, you could run Shurtek with Ensnare, two of these, and Solus one Grievous, and have five points left over. That sounds like an Imperium plating on Grievous. Yeah, I was just saying, like, there's still yeah, flexibility yeah. in, in oh, list building yeah. and stuff. Like, indeed, uh, indeed. like these these open up some options for some actual ace archetype lists for uh, for CIS, which has not been a thing yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not previously really. the only thing close has been Sunny and Cher. Yeah, which and was that always wasn't a, even a very good list. Yeah, like a it was a god tier player list. Yeah. yeah, it was a pretty pretty B tier list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it gets abused by god tier players. Yeah, yeah, one of the things worth noting is that in first edition, uh, XX23 thread tracers were only one point. Uh, yes, between, I did say that earlier. Yeah, I do think uh, they'll be more than they'll be, they'll be, more than they'll be about a two point points. card because yeah. I think I'm now, thinking they'll be about four points. Hey, yeah. they have power a second charge the tracers didn't yeah. have. Yeah, they, yeah, they have a second charge. And the power, and, the power curve of the game is lower. Like, well, also for the fact that locks are better now across the board than they were in first edition because for starters you no longer spend blocks to launch munitions i mean not every munition was like that all the good ones were uh harpoons you didn't spend block yeah those never existed uh that's just matt you're you're ruining your own argument (laughs) but the idea that they're they're gonna be a valuable and i think the the utility of being able to hand out targets we've talked about how being able to share uh modifiers is a great thing uh even dutch you know who can hand out one extra is good this is handing out up to n minus one extra 
Or actually, no, uh, hey, because it's it's all friendlies, including yourself. Yeah, you are overselling it a little bit over Dutch. Dutch still gets to shoot and do damage. This does replace your attack. Yeah. Uh, like, but I, I don't I, think I do... they'll be too expensive, but they should be more than two. I'm betting they'll be about four. Yeah, yeah would, wouldn't argue with that at all. Because uh, also, the more Mods expensive are... you make it, the less efficient it is, and the entire point is it's an efficient card. Right. And mods are and more of a premium in second edition. First edition, they literally just gave mods away for free. Um, literally, think our crew was literally, literally just, for free. But if you had a target lock all the time and it didn't matter, fire fire control system was free. yeah yeah <laughs> like well it was two but yeah it was two but but these were basically meaningless amounts of points to pay for full mods yeah, yeah. and that's something that doesn't exist in second edition so giving away full mods is gonna it's gonna cost a little bit and I think every faction also has cheap missile carriers. That you oh my can God, Sarasu. She, who cares about her attack anyway? Yeah, yeah. Sarasu, uh, Torrance. You know, with this, uh, you know, headhunter. Sarasu is Hellrunner and Sarasu. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah. yeah, like I think that we they'll definitely be worth using at the correct cost for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I agree with Doug. I think this uh, this wave has a lot of really nifty design elements that we haven't seen before and are creative. I don't think anything in this Yeah, my favorite pretty... my favorite thing about them is none of them scream overpowered. Yeah, other than maybe Q seven Astromech, but that's just a points thing. Like it can easily and be that, expensive enough to not be worth it. Yeah. We could I don't think we're wrong, but technically we could be wrong about how much one gets how much use one gets out of Q seven. Yeah. I doubt it. I doubt we'll it. We've to, been wrong um, before. Yeah. But and even then, like Q7 is just enabling the ships that are already really good. Like it itself yeah. isn't what's busting the it's game. It's not. It's not breaking something like yeah. How one card breaks multiple ships. It's it's a win harder card. And that's yeah. in general, my favorite thing for the last like from the lat release all the way up like to these, including the Heralds of Hope and Brute. None of it screams. Oh my god, this is hurting the game. Indeed, um, Malaris is close-ish. Yeah. But I don't think she'll hurt the game. That's a that's a cost thing, and b I don't think Malaris is as bad as it seems. I just think people aren't used to it yet. No, it, it's beatable. It's Easily. it's rough, but it's beatable. Uh, I do think it's, but yeah, I agree. This is I think we're in a golden age of X wing design right now. Yeah, you know, with the new with the new content. And to think, just a few episodes ago, we were worried that all the crew cards from the lat were going to break the game. Well, we didn't know the lat was going to start at fifty one. Yeah, we started about forty one. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a that's an example of where we'll say uh, we were a little bit chicken little on that. Uh, uh, I would like to caveat yeah, that we, my biggest problem with those crew was future design space, which is still a problem. Yeah, yeah. it also is points dependent, and yeah. they costed it better than I expected them to. Yeah, so kudos um, there. But like Doug and I were wrong about Atani in first edition is the main one I refer to when we've been wrong about a prediction before. Yeah. Um we thought Atani was gonna be a terrible card. Really? Like uh, just a gimmick, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Pre release. Pre release. Okay. Nobody thought it was going to be good. Yeah, I came into X Wing as Atani was kind of getting semi popular. So Atani Atani took six to nine months before people really figured yeah. it out. It yeah, took three waves. I saw it took two uh, masters really, but well, it came out at the same time. It just that's masters. true. It took one, Dangaroo. Yeah, one of our local players was flying a uh, an Atani list. Uh, I believe it was yeah Paylob and some uh, Dengar. I think a couple other things in there. But I remember just looking at that, going, "Wow, this is amazing!" And that's what got me going. I need to pick up scum ships. Yeah, and everybody when it first came out, kind of oversold the everybody gets stressed when you get stressed effect. Like it seemed yeah. like a bigger deal than it actually was. As Plus, it turns out, Jedi Jetmaster still worked when it came out, so yeah, no one sure. even thought about Atani. Yeah, <laughs> but it didn't seem it didn't seem good. Like it, 
pre-release, nobody thought it was going to amount to anything. And then it might have been, it was the first nail in the coffin of 1.0. Yeah, the, the, the Dead Eye nerf is when I started playing in tournaments. Gotcha. So that was, yeah, that was right before Tony caught on. Yeah, uh, late summer 2016. All right, boomers, nobody cares about first edition. That's <laughs> true. But at this point, it's like, we could be wrong about stuff that happens. We could. Uh, and when we are, we will most likely admit it. All right. Well, we, we've covered uh, the new ships that are coming out, at least the ones we that have. We have one more, one more. Hopefully, we get that Hondo article tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because uh, the the Django's uh, Slave One that's a pretty ship, and ooh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. So we will definitely cover that uh, if that's previewed before. Also, we will be getting Heralds of Hope and Tribrute points this week as they release this week. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely yeah. cover so that. That, that, that could end up being that tomorrow as opposed to the Django Fire Spray article. It very well could be. Uh, the next time we talk to you guys, it will be after Mustafa, uh, not Mustafa, after Coruscant. So uh, Doug will have a wonderful uh, story to tell us about. Uh, uh, hopefully it's a good story. <laughs> hopefully it's Doug will have a story to tell. <laughs> or he'll have nothing to say. <laughs> that story could be about how I dropped and had a wonderful weekend. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so before we wrap up, any shout outs for uh, Father King Bob Howe? Boom, got him. My father, Bob Howe. I'm gonna say it calmly and collected like an adult. Sorry, well, you usually win. I really wanted to win this time. <laughs> Indeed, uh, uh, especially shout out. Bob has play, been playing a lot of uh, Among Us with us and has become surprisingly good at being an imposter because he has this odd ability to seem so suspicious, there's no way he could be the imposter. He has a tell, and that tell is contributing to the turning off of emergencies. <laughs> it's pretty true. That is indeed. Yeah, Bob is a lot of fun. Uh, not so much of a shout-out, but by the next time uh, we put out our next podcast, the November elections will have passed. So this is our last opportunity to tell you guys, go out, and if you have not already advanced voted, in most places it is too late to do a mail-in vote by now. So... I encourage you, mask up, find where your polling place is, get there early. If you've got to wait all day in line, then you wait all day in line. You've got to get out there and vote, people. This is one of the most important things we can do, and there is no more important time than right now to take that civic duty and go out there and make a difference. Your job cannot is legally not allowed to punish you for missing time to vote. Mm-hmm. So even if you have to miss part of your shift, like, yeah, you they don't have to pay you, but they can't fire you for it. Yep. Yeah. Voting is a civic duty and a right. Uh, Your employer cannot prohibit you from voting. They can't penalize you for it. And this is one of those things where no one right now has any room to say I'm undecided or politics just aren't for me. By this time, if you haven't made up your mind about this election, I really don't know what's wrong with you. It's I say this with no exaggeration whatsoever. And Also, as someone who has voted in many, many elections in my time already, this is going to be the most important election that I've had in my life. I'm getting out there as early as I can to make sure I don't miss my chance to be a part of this moment. Everybody needs to be doing the same. Indeed. I agree. All right. On that That's why I'll be getting up at 6 a.m. for the first time in my adult life (laughs) to go vote. That's not true. I really made you soft. I used I used to I worked a six a.m. shift back in the day, but the also we've is, gotten earlier than that for X wing tournaments before. Very uh, true. Like the, yeah, usually about five. I recall, yeah. I recall a couple four a.m. wake ups to make it to X wing. Yeah. True. 
But on that note, uh, thank you all for listening. For Tashi Station Radio, I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. And I'm Alex Smittle. Take care, everybody. Hi, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tashi Station Radio. If you'd like to support us and help offset our hosting costs, you can go to co-fi.com slash Tashi Station Radio and toss us a few credits to help keep the Huck cartels off our backs. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Tashi Station Radio and X-Wing Podcast, on Twitter at Tashi Station XW, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Tashi Station X-Wing. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to like and hit subscribe. Yubby yub.